Oh hi there, Ole Anderson here. You're listening to Creative Status. This is a podcast about using your creativity to improve your life. It shares some of the lessons I've learned from my own life as a creative and working with people as a performance coach for creative individuals that want to unblock themselves. This episode is a very long conversation with Ollie Herman Taylor. It's long, but it's packed with value. We basically look at how we can reconfigure our belief systems so we can have a better relationship with our minds and our bodies so that we can align the head and the heart in order to reconnect to nature and stop distracting ourselves from our real lives. I don't want to say too much here in this intro because obviously there's a lot of content to come, but I hope you find this valuable. And if you do, please subscribe, uh, leave a review if you want. And if you have any questions about anything you hear, get in touch with me or get in touch with the other Ollie. And uh, basically that's it. I hope you enjoy this podcast and uh, thanks for listening. Oh, hi there, Ollie. It's uh, kind of weird talking to another Ollie. Um, I always feel like that doesn't really do my solipsism any favors. Um, thanks for joining me on Creative Status today. Would you like to introduce yourself before we get into this uh, whole thing? Yes, of course, uh, Ollie. Thank you so much for having me on to your podcast. Um, a, a little thing I only I only kind of realized this a couple of weeks ago, and I feel a little bit embarrassed. Is that you know you you spell your name O L I. And most other people spell Ollie, O-L-L-I-E. And I've always spelled it O-L-L-Y because basically I used to be designer. I used to be a designer and uh, I used to like the way it looked with the Y. It was a cooler shape. But I only found out about a, well, a few weeks, a month ago, that that's actually the female spelling of Ollie. So um, make of that what you will. <laughs> um, but yeah, in terms of introducing myself, um, yeah, I, I'm a kind of, um, I've been a coach for about 20 years. Um, I am co-founder of a creative communications agency um, and I've kind of been involved in sort of holistic health and fitness, life coaching, uh, and a few businesses and things over the years. Um, so yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you once again. So with your life coaching, what's your main focus, would you say? Like what kind of problems are you helping people solve or what kind of insights do you normally end up focusing on uncovering? Is there a theme? Um, y- yeah, I mean, there was. I have to say, actually, I kind of, I should have said, I'm, I'm, I'm a retired kind of coach. I've, um, I kind of hung up my coaching spurs. I think about a year and a half, about eighteen months ago, and okay. um, I can sort of tell you more about the story that got me to that point, you know, in a minute. But um, basically, I got really jaded, really skeptical, and really cynical about the coaching industry, and I, I kind of feel it's, it's, it's taken some kind of gone in a bad direction in recent years, um, mm-hmm. particularly the marketing side and the kind of, you know, how people present themselves as coaches um but with the life coaching side I kind of fell into it by accident you know I was um uh, I was doing health and fitness I was doing kind of holistic health and fitness outdoor kind of movement and um also personal training and weight loss and I just kind of found that basically people had um a really common set of problems you know whether it came to weight loss you know improving their energy getting stronger etc and you know, it was quite easy to help people achieve those goals, but they didn't necessarily stick to it because it was mainly kind of, you know, a mindset issue or how they mm. manage their life or their belief systems and things like this. So I, I kind of got really fascinated in the more, you know, maybe I should say mindset, mental kind of lifestyle side of things and a little bit less in the, the, the health and fitness, you know, kind of training and nutrition side of things. Um, and I kind of started exploring, you know, that side. And I guess, 
the, the one theme before I kind of hung up my spurs as a coach, the one theme I had was really helping people get clear on their definition of success, like have have a personal definition of success, un- unpack what success means to you, uh, and then just get very mm. clear on, you know, basically what you want in your life, what kind of life you want to to build. So um, I used to try and help people kind of build their dream lifestyle, if that, if that makes sense. Okay, that's awesome. Just as a, a little aside, I totally agree with what you said about marketing and coaching. I won't rant about it too much, but I think a lot of the time, Coaching is sold now as just a kind of quick fix to all kinds of uh, kind of ego-driven problems almost. And it cuts out the core issue, which I think is is reality. So a lot of the time, it's not actually solving the problem. It's just selling solutions that are kind of, uh, you know, too good to be true almost in a lot of cases. Do you think the internet has changed the way that people kind of think about self-help and success and all these kind of things that you just talked about and does that feed into the coaching thing as well yeah i think it really does i mean i think you know there's the old saying there's nothing new under the sun sun even uh not some so you know if you start with that kind of in mind you know there's so much information and the internet obviously has made that possible which is incredible you know it's amazing mm-hmm. that we have access to I think the same information that the president of the United States only and people like of that level would have had a few years back you, you everyone has now from the kind of fingertips on their mobile phone um, but I think there aren't very many new ideas uh, and so it, it feels overwhelming and it feels like there's this massive onslaught particularly in coaching personal development you know kind of success these these kind of categories you know that um are fairly dominant in the coaching industry there aren't really any new ideas and it's i, I got a bit sick and tired of people just kind of parroting the same stuff and repackaging the same stuff um but also I, I think that you know like personal development doesn't work um I, I, I kind of it's a, it's a weird thing to say because it's a huge industry and we have these titans you know like tony robbins and i you know kind of jay shetty and all of these people but Mm. they're they're missing so many kind of fundamental important parts hopefully i think we're going to talk about some of them uh, as we kind of dig into these these topics but you know i think they're missing the kind of foundational pieces that people need to build into their lives like values like Mm. just health and fitness the basic uh, you know kind of foundational health and fitness principles and a couple of things that we've mentioned you know you mentioned reality which i I want to hear more about because that's kind of fascinating um uh, and then maybe talk about reality hacking. You know, the, the fact that there's this awesome thing called reality, but it's also kind of you can create your own reality as well, which would be fun to dig into in, in a minute. But I, mm. I, I think the internet has kind of created an explosion of, you know, information and we're saturated by it. And, you know, I, I deleted my social media accounts, all of them. Um, in fact, when we first spoke, which is probably three weeks ago, four weeks ago, mm, I'd kind of deleted Facebook before. Yeah, I deleted Facebook before. And then I got to the point where I was just, I was so sick and tired with putting content on social media and seeing myself and hearing my voice, you know, trying to parrot these kind of little sort of reels and these little mini kind of junk food, you know, empty calorie little pills of of my Mm. opinion to people. I just thought, I I have to just get rid of this. Plus, it was also like my my son is um, 12 and he's desperate to have TikTok. And it's really, this is a really big thing. I think about it a lot because he's the only, you know, boy in his kind of like peer group, his social peer group who doesn't have TikTok or any social media platforms. And I think that's a really, really good thing, but he feels really left out and thinks it's really unfair. And I, I, I got to the point where I was saying, look, you, you, you can't have it and here's why and here's some research behind it. 
and but then I was using Instagram and I was posting stuff on Instagram reels and trying to get, you know, likes and views and follows. And I just thought this is terribly hypocritical. And so I absolutely yeah, just yeah, yeah. deleted everything. Well, I think I think that's good. At least you're you're practicing what you preach. And I can totally relate. Like I think especially with Instagram, which I use, you can fall into that trap of just losing your creativity and just getting into this kind of mechanical process of just pumping out content and trying to, uh, you know, change the way that you would naturally do things or that you would like to do things if you've been real with yourself in order to try and trick the algorithm into showing it to people or whatever. And it just ends up externalizing everything that you do and taking you away from your core message. I think it's really cool that you mentioned that quote from uh, Ecclesiastes that there's nothing new under the sun. Because for me, when we were talking about the reality stuff, that's actually what it kind of comes back to. This idea that there is nothing new under the sun, that there are certain things about human beings that are just timeless. And I know that this is something you're interested in as well, actually, with the hero's journey and all that kind of stuff. And that human nature really hasn't changed and probably never will change that much. But because we caught up in the information age and we've got all these... Uh, these reels and these TikToks and all this, this information economy where everyone's screaming for attention is just causing people to try and put new skews on things in terms of the information that they share that aren't really authentic and that are disconnected from the truth about what human beings are. Um, do you think, first of all, that's true? And if it is true, do you think that's kind of caused us to end up in what you called a cultural vacuum in uh, one of the previous conversations we had. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I, I think that um, life is pretty simple. Um, mm. If you if you strip away the kind of layer of technology and, you know, digi the digital layer, let's say, um, mm. it, life is actually, it's quite simple. Like, you know, you, you wake up in the morning um, and that's because there's something called a circadian rhythm. You know, there's like a biological oscillator, which is a, it's like a clock, an internal clock that we're tuned into whether we like it or not. So we wake up in the morning and there are cues that kind of make that happen. One of which is kind of light sunlight. Um, the sun rises outside, you know, you, you need to kind of basically go and find some food probably, um, and some water. Um, and then you need to move your body to do that. And then there are probably some, you know, there's some work to be done. You know, if we look back ancestors, in the kind of like hunter-gatherer kind of, I'm using inverted commas there, but, you know, kind of more ancestral lifestyle, you know, things haven't actually changed a huge amount since then in terms of our needs. You know, we need shelter, we need food, we need kind of water, we need love, we need company, we need, you know, kind of emotional connection and we need mm. some kind of purpose. That's that's about it. Not much has, has actually changed. It's just that we live in very kind of complicated, um, you know, kind of societies where I think, you know, life feels like it's speeding up the pace is increasing and alongside that stress levels you know chronic stress levels which is long-term kind of exposure to stress that doesn't really diminish that is just increasing as well and I think a lot of people struggle with that but if you you know I, I, I agree with what you say if you take it back to kind of like brass tacks basically but things are fairly simple the things we need and the things we're designed to kind of do and i think the, the further we've moved away from that the the more we've suffered in terms of health certainly and kind of mental health as well i think um yeah i, I think um I, I i think it's 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 a lot simpler than we kind of make it and i think that you mm. can look at all areas as well even if it's you know I, I talk about health and fitness a lot because that's i've spent lots of my career in that 
that, that kind of that game, that industry. But even if you look at kind of like business, starting businesses, what most businesses do, it's actually kind of maybe a lot more simple than we realize. Um, and I think humans like to complicate and I think there are two aspects to that. One is, you know, in reference to our coaching conversation of a couple of minutes ago, is that there's an old maxim in the in the kind of health and fitness coaching industry, you complicate to profit. So mm. basically, the more information we can share, the more complicated things seem, and the more we can sort of try and offer a magic pill or a solution, then the more money we can potentially make. But actually, mm. most things are, you know, if you strip them down to you know, I, I don't claim to be any kind of genius or really understand physics, <laughs> but if you strip them down to a more of a kind of first principles approach, you know, actually, you know, th th things are fairly, fairly simple. Yeah. Do, do you think there's something in us that wants to avoid the truth that comes with the simplicity of life itself? So we, we basically make things complicated as a way of avoiding things. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I think you know you mentioned the hero's journey earlier, and um, it's absolutely fascinating. And I think you know we kind of we, we we are characters. We are like heroes and kind of almost like characters in our own movie. I think that's what a lot of people kind of play out in their head. You know, we're we're a character and we're in our own story. And I think um, for for many many different reasons, like all of the psychological biases that you can read about, um, you know. I think it's hard for people to face reality. Uh, I mean, it's certainly hard for me to face reality. It's one of the things I've struggled with, I would say, most of, in my career is because I'm a real, um, I'm like a hyper-creative individual. And so I'm I'm often, you know, thinking about things, connecting dots, researching kind of like really diverse mm -hmm. fields, thinking about designing things, starting new businesses, trying to come up with ideas. And then, you know, I, I struggle actually, I have to say, with the reality layer of the kind of day-to-day -day mundane, you know, I'm that typical like entrepreneur starter mindset mm -hmm. where I can create stuff and I can get stuff going. It, but 12 months later, I'm bored to tears and I'm like, I'm going to break it. I'm just going to kind of like destroy everything from the inside through boredom. So, um, yeah, I, I, but I think I think a lot of people, you know, they, they have a filter on reality, let's say, you know, and there's a sort of it's, it's based on your belief systems and what you've learned and your kind of whole mindset. Um, and it's really, really complicated, but really, really fascinating, I think, um, because, you know, that 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 kind of ideological framework that you've been learning you've been constructing since you were you know since you can kind of absorb information and you learn from your parents and your teachers and your peers and the kind of world around you you know that's 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 what kind of constructs your version of reality and it can be so vastly different to everyone else's you know the way you perceive things um mm. so yeah it's, it's kind of kind of fascinating yeah i think this is where it comes back to the social media thing that you've mentioned so ultimately yeah most people are running around kind of filtering reality through this kind of web of complexity. But the thing that kind of holds that web together for most people is their sense of identity or the image that they want to have of themselves. That's usually not necessarily the truth about who they are, but often a response to their emotional stuff. So shame, guilt, trauma, whatever they've got going on beneath the surface. And because they use this, image as a filter for reality it means that they're constantly seeking out new layers of complexity or new narratives that kind of add to the story that the identity feeds upon or rests upon social media kind of comes into it because it allows people to keep kind of adding layers 
and sharing that version of themselves with the rest of the world. And by doing that, it almost makes them feel that they are that version. So there's a kind of um, escapism to it, which is kind of causing, I, I would say, a lot of problems in the world. I don't know if you agree with that, though. Yeah, I do. I think I think um, escapism. I hundred percent agree with. I, I think you know there's some um, sedation. Basically, you know we kind of. Um, I don't think there's some grand c- conspiracy theory <laughs> around social no. media. I think it's just like a genie that's got out of the bottle. But um, you know, sedation. I think you know the more people are engaged in mindless bullshit, basically, you know, scrolling on their phones, kind of you know looking at other people's success or apparent success, and just looking, taking in other information. You know, the whole whole while you're consuming, you're not creating, and it keeps us very distracted and it keeps us kind of sedated and um i'm not sure that there's a real kind of you know like an end game to that i just think it's um i think it's a good way to keep people um heads down buying stuff um but i would say the other thing as well as as well as kind of you know like um uh, entertainment and that whole layer and I, I think there's a validation layer as well and i think that you know people are they're filtering aren't they based on what you said to justify themselves justify their position to look for evidence to back up mm. that mm. story so you know you you most people have a story in their head of who they are um what they're capable of and you know their kind of limitations and you know those sorts of things and i think that we we look for evidence we look for other people we look for tribes we look for articles whatever it may be that resonates with us and also that kind of validates us though you know that kind of justifies our our story if that makes sense and i one thing i've been particularly fascinated in my life is the fact that you can you can change that story you know that's um really really interesting really fairly simple not easy but you can actually change your story you can change your belief system depending on your mindset whether it's open or closed and even you can work on that but and and then and then when you change your story when you change your belief system you can start to change your reality and i think that's super super cool and there's a there's a term i came across a couple of years ago called reality hacking and i kind of i was really intrigued mm-hmm. by it because it filled in it it kind of gave a gave a label to what i've been trying to describe to people for years and years and it's, it sounds cool and it sounds a bit mystical and, you know, a bit, hey, like magic wand, but it's totally the opposite of that, which is, which is what I like about it. And it's the mm. fact that the choices and the decisions you make on a daily basis form yeah. the patterns of behavior and habits that you have. Mm. And that, that equals your results. And you can apply this to anything, you know, relationships, food, uh, weight loss, getting strong, uh, you know, getting rich, you know, <laughs> many, many different things, um, changing your life, doing something meaningful, finding purpose, et cetera. That if you make, if you change those choices, if you change those decisions and you form new habits and new patterns, you can create a new version of reality and you can't do this overnight, but incrementally you can change anything within reason. And I think that's just really, it's really exciting. It's really cool. And it fills me with hope in what at the moment seems like a pretty shit time, you know, if you if you read the news, if you watch the news. Yeah. So when I talk about reality, it's ultimately about tuning in to those kind of laws. So what you're talking about there, I would just call the law of cause and effect. So no matter who you are, reality works in, in terms of cause and effect, right? And so if you make certain choices, eventually those choices are going to have consequences or they're going to lead to certain effects that happens whether you're aware of it or not a lot of people in my experience especially people who you know they might need some help in life to to get better results they're not aware of the fact that if they have an active mindset and they make choices about what they want to do with their life 
um, then they can tune into this law of cause and effect and get involved in the process of closing the gap between being wherever they happen to be now and wherever it is that they want to be. So being real is about acknowledging that kind of stuff. The thing to me, the, the thing that I would say though, is that reality doesn't change. You either work with it or you don't. And so when people talk about creating a reality, all they're doing actually, in my opinion, is they're choosing a direction to move in and then they're taking the actions that they need to take to make that happen. Obviously, another law of reality is that you can't control everything. So you might not get the results that you originally set out to get. But ultimately, the only way to get any results in life whatsoever is to work in this kind of real way that you're talking about. And I think a lot of people online that are selling coaching and all these kind of things we've talked about, they don't necessarily um, sell products or services that are aligned with that very basic, very simple way of thinking. Because even though the law of cause and effect is very simple, actually you have to still do a lot of work in order to get the results. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people have an aversion to is doing, taking the actual actions because then they have to face themselves and grow through their, you know, current version of their identity and all that kind of thing. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I mean, I think at the end of the day, and this comes into, you know, um, the corporate world as well. This comes into, you know, big, big companies who spend a lot of money on this stuff. But, you know, when they're going through transformation, which is change, uh, yeah. like a lot of big businesses are at the moment, you know, ch change is hard. <laughs> it's scary. <laughs> People don't like it. Uh, they, you know, they're fearful of change because it means, you know, it could be threatening. They don't quite understand how to orientate themselves. And so change is hard and it's particularly hard for the individual. So you, you hit the nail on the head, you know, with the coaching industry is that one stuff is quite simple. Two simple stuff is quite hard to sell unless you package it in a really sexy way and hype it up. <laughs> and three, most people, most people don't really want to do it because it is hard and you need, you, you need an actual coach. Like, um, you know, if if we go back a few years, there was there were real coaches, <laughs> and now everyone's a coach, and you get coached to kind of help you tie yeah, your shoelaces, yeah. a coach to help you get out of bed, a help to coach to help. You know, like there's literally a, um, a coaching category that's being created for any any anything, and I think it's a bit stupid. You know, yeah, um, yeah. but that's that, that's just me. <laughs> but I, I think. I agree with you, everything you've said, apart from one thing, which is, you know, about the reality thing and reality being a fixed state. And I think we're, we're probably coming, I think we're coming from the same place, but with different kind of like ways of expressing it. But um, yeah. I always go back to the really cool quote by Einstein, which is, you know, reality is merely an illusion, albeit a very persistent one. And I absolutely love that because... Um, you know, there are certain kind of universal laws, let's say there's like, you know, kind of gravity, <laughs> there's the the actual law, you know, the economy and things like that. We can't really change those things unless we're on the genius level, like, you know, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and people. Um, but, you know, perception is the key, I think. It's like everyone has this really sort of different perception. Uh, and so what I mean when I kind of talk about changing mm -hmm. reality is that you can, you can kind of change your own personal version of, you know, channel of the reality that exists, if that makes sense. Yeah. The, the way that I look at that is there's a difference between reality and interpretation. So for me, reality is just a, it's the Einstein thing you just said. So it's persistent in the sense that it's whole. Reality is just a, it's one big relationship, having a relationship with itself. And it's almost paradoxical because even though reality doesn't necessarily change in the grand scheme of things if you want to get metaphysical and step outside of 
time and space and causality and all those things. At the level of the human being, we have to embrace that reality is whole in itself, but that as we move through it and we learn and grow by you know, acquiring new insight and changing our perceptions in the way that you've just said, as we go through that process, we have to let we have to accept that there is a flux to things, that things do change, that the only constant is change in life, but that our ideas about ourselves are the things that stop us from changing the perceptions ETC that will allow us to go more deeply into reality. I don't know if that yeah. makes sense. The, the short version is, is the distinction between interpretation and reality. So when people reconfigure their belief systems and so on and so forth, in my view, all that they do, they, they remove the barriers that they have because of their perception and interpretation that is stopping them from aligning with what's whole inside themselves. So for me, what's whole inside the individual is normally their true values and their true intentions. And then whatever limiting beliefs, ETC, need to be cleared out of the way to stop them from acting on those things. And I think, you know, like you said, we're saying the same thing ultimately, but the interpretation yeah. thing is what causes a lot of problems in society, I think, because people have interpretations of themselves that they get attached to. So that's the self-image stuff that we mentioned about social media. They have interpretations of the world, so their political points of view and ETC, ETC, and then interpretations of reality where they might think that the simple laws we've talked about, like cause and effect, they think those things don't exist for whatever reason or other um, erroneous assumptions ultimately about how things work that stop them from moving and flowing in the way they need to. Yeah, I think that's very nicely expressed, Ollie. And uh, I think that the beautiful thing ultimately at the end of the day is that, you know, human, hu humans are super adaptable and, you know, we've adapted to kind of pretty much every environment um, uh, on the on the planet and you know that's why we're still here kind of thing we're, we're very adaptable and i think you can take that down from the species level to a kind of individual level is that you know there's a the, it, however stuck you feel in life there's a lot that you can do uh, a lot of inner work you can do on yourself that can mm -hmm. change things and improve things and really make a huge difference but l exactly as you said <laughs> it's not always fun and it's kind of hard and i think the thing is is that something you said earlier about the kind of coaching industry and marketing and the internet and social media things that, that like I've studied marketing a lot because you know the, the kind of the agency that I co-founded we kind of we started off doing kind of marketing but what we called like aspirational marketing so story-based mm. marketing um because because of the whole the, re the ultimately the reason I like hung up my coaching spurs and stopped calling myself a, a coach and kind of left the industry was because um I knew I was really good at what I did and I could really help people but I really really struggled to market myself I struggled to market myself I struggled to get clients I struggled to make people understand what I did um mm. in the face of so many other coaches who are willing to just basically sell hype and I think mm. the thing is is that ultimately there's a marketing model that was kind of created in you know like I don't know the 50s in in America and you can read up on some of this stuff which is quite fascinating but essentially it's the consumer you know kind of model of the fact that you're a bit broken. Your life's a bit shit. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a lovely, there's a lovely product or brand or service that you can buy, which will make you better, more desirable, you know, better, more successful, whatever it may be. And I think mm. that the, the thing that really got me, and the thing that I really, I, I kind of like started really fighting against, and then realised I just needed to kind of unplug myself and reboot myself, which I'm, I'm doing at the moment in my life, uh, mm. as I'm going to be 46 in a few weeks' time. I'm kind of reevaluating lots and lots of stuff. 
But ultimately, I I was pissed off more than anything with the coaches who sell coaching to other coaches. So really, actually, it's not the coaches so much. It's the marketers. It's the business coaches. It's the marketing coaches who, yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I got I got inbox messages every day with like, hey, um, hey, Ollie, you know, um, I love I love what you do. And I literally they don't know what I do. Um, and do you want me to help you build a six or seven figure business? And, um, you know, I just, I got really sort of cynical and really tired of this because they're mm. doing a lot of damage to an industry that I do care about. And I think is really, really important. You know, I think a lot of coaches, they're, you, they're the spear tip, you know, of change, um, you know, like coming up against real people, helping people change their lives. And I, I firmly believe that like happier, healthier people who are more kind of in tune with their bodies, um, more aware of what they want, have clarity on what they want and their definition of success. Those people are the future. And those are the kind of bridge between the problems we have now and a kind of better future. And so I've, I, I just, I, I've seen so many coaches have their fingers, but so I'm going, I'm going on a rant here. I'll stop in a second. It's, it's all right. seen, I can, I can totally I'm relate just, to this uh, seven figure thing. Every time well, I, I open my computer is the same thing. There's just a bunch of people sending these DMS and stuff like that. So I, I started having fun with them. I started calling them out and saying, listen, you know, like I, I've already built a seven figure business. I did it in my early twenties and, mm. you know, I've built a couple of other six figure businesses and I've got mid six figure business now. And I hate throwing around these numbers and these terms because it makes you sound like a right kind of, um, you know, I, I just don't, I don't really like that. I don't really agree with that, but I just had, I started having a bit of fun saying, look, I've, I've kind of done this. Um, and it was pound sterling, not dollars. And so basically, have you ever built a business outside teaching other people how to make money by coaching. Because yeah. if you haven't, then I'd just get out of my inbox. And a lot of them were kind of like, um, you know, they didn't really know what to, <laughs> how to come back to that. And I just, I don't know, it's a bit silly. It's a bit juvenile, but it just kind of, it's, it, it's the first step in pushing back a little bit and trying to, you know, I think we need to kind of reclaim the coaching industry. We need to raise standards. We need to have a little bit of kind of a more authenticity and we need to not regulate, but we need to kind of, the good coaches need to band together and kind of, um, you know, block out the the, the kind of uh, the manipulative ones. Yeah, ultimately, there, there needs to be a culling of all the bullshit. Um, yeah. I, I've thought of this myself, like the word coach is kind of a, a dirty word these days. And it's yes. because these kind of people that you're talking about, there's, you know, they, they coach the coaches, it's ultimately a kind of pyramid scheme, isn't it? It's just, um, they, they haven't actually made money from coaching. They've made money from selling the courses and selling the dream and it's all the same kind of um, consumer-based marketing that you're talking about. They they figured 100%. out, the, yeah, they figured out the pain point that a lot of wannabe coaches have or new coaches have. The pain point being that they can't have any clients, and it's just a simple way of selling something in an attempt to alleviate frustrations. It's the evil kind of marketing, um, and it's not actually it's not giving people something real to run towards. It's not helping them uh, to achieve their goals really, and it's dishonest. Because ultimately, those people that are saying, oh, I'll help you make a seven-figure coaching business, actually, they don't have a seven-figure coaching business. They've got a seven-figure pyramid scheme or whatever you want to call it, which is uh, based on this kind of you know, consumerist dream that a lot of people have when they, they set out. Um, I think, so, yes. I think- 
the the, the, the the like one final really quick thing that I think the, the worst thing the worst thing I think in, in sort of you know serious terms is the fact that you know you get a lot of coaches who they fall into kind of two rough buckets you get the the people who want to make money and want to kind of work for themselves and they're a bit more like interested in the business side and then you get people who are literally born coaches who just want to help people they also have to make a living and feed themselves which is a kind of almost a secondary thing and I think yeah. the problem is the, like I, especially in the, the personal training kind of fitness side of things the reality is a lot of people follow their dreams and then they are broke and they are struggling to actually pay their bills and make a living. Mm. And I was like this, you know, about like, uh, I don't know, 12 years ago or something like that. I was like in my attic with four kids crying my eyes out going, oh my God, I don't know how to pay my bills and make mm. a living. And the mm. problem is, is that you're very vulnerable. And when you're in that sort of scarcity and a bit desperate and someone comes along and says, hey, I'll get you, um, you know, effortless, like fill your inbox with clients effortlessly and help you build a six figure business. You're like, um, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> okay. And I, I think I've seen too many people, um, you know, have to hang up their kind of dreams and go and get a job, um, because of that kind of, uh, yeah, let's say exploitation. Yeah. It, it's difficult because at the same time, no matter what creative business you're in. So, you know, whether it's coaching, which, which I think is a creative business or, you know, you're a freelancer for design or whatever it is. The mistake that a lot of people make is that they forget that running a business isn't just about having the skills that you enjoy doing. So like, I, I really love coaching, but a big part of my journey has been learning to market my services properly and understanding how business works and all that kind of stuff. And so I think part of it as well is that people think that they don't have to do that kind of stuff with their business so they can outsource it to somebody else or something like that. But actually yeah. biz business ultimately is just sales and marketing, isn't it? Like it doesn't matter what business you're in. If you can't do the sales and the marketing part, then you, you're going to be screwed. So it's, yeah. it's just knowing that when you set out so that you don't fall into the trap of, you know, um, kind of, letting the dream drive you crazy and then you sign up for these kind of seven figure business guru coaching bullshit packages. Yeah, you've got to go into it with your eyes open. And, you know, at the end of the day, that, that keyword is business. And, um, you know, you've got to think about the business side of things. I think, I think, you know, there are many ways to approach kind of business. Um, you know, my first business, I, I, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I had no design experience. I'd never mm. been trained as, as a designer, literally like no experience whatsoever running a business. But I was just like, I was like, I'm going to do this. I, mm. I love this. I'm fascinated by it. It's, it's all I really think about. And I think I can do it. And I'm just going to go and have a go. And people said, oh, the industry, which is snowboarding, snowboarding, clothing and, you know, apparel. Everyone was like, oh, and it's like way too crowded. There are loads of, loads of big companies. You'll never do it. Um, I remember trying to raise £5,000, which is not, it's not a lot of money from my kind of um, my family, basically. And I remember they put me through a bit of a dragon's den and had to pitch and stuff. And then, you know, a couple of family members basically shot me down and didn't help and wanted lots of equity and stuff like that. And, and I think it... <laughs> You know, I, I, I wasn't kind of like, oh, I'm going to show you. But I just, I just, failure, failure wasn't an option. I think I was so naive um, yeah. that I didn't think I would fail. And, and, I, and I didn't. And I built a business that I loved. I loved mm. and was successful. It wasn't massive or anything like that. But, you know, it was, it, it was big enough and, you know, it was cool. And it was just a, like a dream come true. And I think that I, I didn't know anything about business. I didn't know anything about design. So I think, I think business is a really interesting kind of, um, you know, kind of 
conversation topic as well and there are lots of different approaches and i did a really cool podcast with a guy called dodge woodall who um he's he's like um you should have a look look him up but he's he's been an entrepreneur for his whole life but he 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 runs the festival called i think it's the Oh, it's the rugby and the music one. Is it's the I can't remember what it's called now, which is really embarrassing. It's in the West Country every year. It's really successful. It's a huge festival, and um, basically, you know, I, I think that he was saying that the thing that's always helped him in business is being naive. Is like mm. not thinking about well, what's gonna what's gonna work and what would someone yeah. with an MBA, MBA do. It's just like oh, I think I could do this. I'm going to have a go and not really. Uh, you know, just not letting in the problems. And, you know, this morning I read in like one of Peter Diamandis's books, which um, I think it's bold, a book like that, talking about Jeff Bezos and something Jeff Bezos said in one of his letters to kind of investors and sometimes, and he was talking about the mindset of being a mercenary or a missionary. And it's really interesting because like he, he says he evaluates businesses that they could potentially buy by the founders and whether the founders are a missionary, which is someone who's passionate and kind of almost mm. evangelical about a thing or whether they're in a, a mercenary, which is like they're in a market to flip it and make money. I think that's really interesting and true. Um, and you can get both both sides work. Yeah. I, I love that thing you just said about being naive, because I think it actually circumvents a lot of problems that being too sophisticated or wise with your thinking can cause when you're setting out. So yes. if you've got like a, a plan and you think you've got it all figured out and you know everything then you're not going to be open to learning. And actually, that's going to actually set you up for failure, more likely anyway. And so if you've got this attitude that you're just going to go out there and you're going to, um, have you heard that expression? You're going to jump off a cliff and build a helicopter on the way down. Then, <laughs> yeah, I think that's my, I think it's my yeah, life. I think that's how I live right, my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that attitude, you can only really have that if you are a little bit naive. And so in order to get these creative results and to kind of be aligned with reality, you have to kind of, get out of your head and just do it and kind of respond to what's happening in reality as you move forward rather than just letting your assumptions and your thoughts and your ideas lead the way completely obviously you need to use your, your brain you don't you, you don't want to be so open-minded your brains fall out but this this creative naivety or whatever we want to call it actually is a very healthy thing i would say I think it's vital. I think it's really, really important because ultimately a lot of these things you can't reverse engineer. You know, you can't go in um, with with a business plan that's, you know, mm. got everything locked down and predicted and kind of accounted for. Because especially if you're doing something that is, and I, and I haven't ever like innovated or anything like that. You know, I, I designed snowboarding jackets and some of them are really cool and different, but you know, it's not like reinventing the wheel. But, you know, um, I, I think it, 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 a lot of the cutting edge businesses that I read about, you know, I'm fascinated with kind of, you know, innovation with a sustainability focus. You know, you, you, you're, you're in, you're kind of, you're in very, new territory it's kind of brave new world and so you can't really account for you can't really predict a lot of the stuff so i think you know that creative naivety wow. i think is, is is very very powerful but i think i think that naivety in general and you know a lot of people think it's a bad thing but you know it's um it, it's not because it, it's it's kind of it's not that you're it's not that you're being bloody minded and you're denying failure and shutting your shutting your mind to all the potential problems it's just you're just not even thinking of them in the first place and somehow it's mm. often leads to greater success than if you try and second guess everything. Yeah. And I think a lot of the time thinking about the problems just perpetuates the problems or it gives you problems that you don't actually have. And it just puts obstacles in the path. That doesn't mean problems aren't going to arise, but actually if you've got this attitude of just dancing with reality and responding as things happen, then you're more likely to just 
keep plowing forward and not tripping over yourself. It's like yeah, the, just, um, you know, the, sorry, the, you know, there's the Zen, the Zen thing about the beginner's mind. That yes. You should just have, have a beginner's mind as you go into everything. It's the same kind of principle, I guess. Um, yeah, the curse of knowledge. You know, we we, we um, in our early workshops when I founded that kind of agency, I've got we were basically it was me who'd been a you know health and fitness kind of check practitioner for years and trying to trying to sort out my own marketing problem. And my business partner, who's Italian, he he was just, he was similar, but he was like a web designer, photographer, and he was trying to sort out his marketing problem. So we we kind of did loads of research for a year on story and the hero's journey and kind of like aspirational marketing and et cetera, et cetera. And um, we started teaching workshops to our kind of micro and small business owners and um it, 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 it was really really funny i've completely forgotten the point i was going to make here what did you just say what was the last thing you said before i i, I interrupted um the last thing i said was about uns well the beginner's mindset so the zen yes. thing that's it sorry sorry yeah and so we, we we one thing we started teaching which we got from this really cool book by lee lefevre which is the art of explanation i think it's called is like we repackaged it and called it the curse of knowledge and it's exactly what it said. It's like, once you're an expert or once you are very familiar with something or you've learned something, it's almost impossible to put yourself in the mindset of a beginner to go back and understand what it's like to not know that thing. And they did this really cool experiment at Stanford with um, like tapping. Uh, well, I won't go into detail and bore people, but like basically it's a good book. And if people want to find out more about that, it's like the curse of knowledge is a really uh, interesting thing to look at and, and understand. And if you are a coach or if you are someone who's trying to market yourself, then the curse of knowledge is also really, really useful to understand at what level you need to talk to people at in order to engage them. Um, mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think this, uh, this knowledge thing is really interesting just in general, and it's kind of bringing us back to a theme we've talked about before, which is this kind of, you know, the mind-body duality and how social media in particular is kind of leading people to kind of get stuck in their heads. And just to uh, kind of demonstrate why that's a theme, potentially, this thing about knowledge that we're talking about is ultimately there's two kinds of knowledge. There's conceptual knowledge, and then there's experiential knowledge. Obviously, to be a, a holistic human being, you, you need to make the most of both of those types of knowledge. But if you've only got the conceptual knowledge, then actually... You're just stuck in your head. You're caught up in your mind. It it might not have any connection necessarily to reality. And quite likely, it's going to be concept, concepts that are just going to keep reinforcing this story that you want to tell yourself so that you can stay where you are, stay in your comfort zone and not have to face all of the you know shame, guilt, trauma, emotional stuff that you might have going on in, uh, beneath the surface. The, um, the experiential knowledge is more about moving away from those static ideas and concepts about yourself and the world and reality. It's about being in your body and all that kind of stuff. And so a lot of this stuff we've been saying about coaching and marketing and the way that things are sold online, it's offering people a set or a, a system of conceptual knowledge that is tapping into whatever beliefs they currently have. And probably you can make some kind of an argument that social media in general is just ultimately, not as a big conspiracy or anything, but it's become this thing where people are just using it to keep reinforcing the concepts they already have and not to kind of evolve beyond those concepts and um, to not actually move forward towards their aspirations and so on in the way that you're talking about. And so potentially 
maybe I'm throwing a big uh, curveball out here. There's something about you know the mind body thing in relation to this knowledge stuff that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think a hundred percent. I think you know it, it, it's that reinforcement thing again that we mentioned earlier. You know, the social media side is that you're you're validating, you're reinforcing, you're kind of it's like the echo chamber, um, you know, uh, phenomenon that's been researched on social media is that you you have certain mm-hmm. beliefs and views, and you know, so the algorithms serve you people and content and ideas that actually reinforce those and don't challenge them. And I think that's mm-hmm. a terribly dangerous thing for humans who, you know, need to be exposed to different ideas, cultures, um, you know, make mistakes. Like we said, with that naivety in the business side of things, you know, when you make key mistakes as a naive business owner, like ordering a box of t-shirts from California and not factoring in duty and VAT, <laughs> um, <laughs> You don't, you don't do that twice. You never make that mistake twice, but no, I think you're absolutely right. I think that, you know, where do we start this conversation? We started it with like simplicity in some ways. Um, and I think, uh, you know, the mind and the mindset is, is incredibly powerful. And so we need kind of both types of knowledge, you know, we need the conceptual and the experiential, but actually I think nowadays more, important than anything else uh, for a period of time is is to allow people to get out of their head and what does mm. that mean is to be able to mm. get people to listen to their body there's a really mm. interesting concept you know paul check talked about it and if you don't know guys don't know who paul check is he's a holistic health kind of guru guy who lives in california uh, he's got some interesting ideas but he's very well respected in the holistic health and fitness kind of field and i trained under his system you know years ago and mm. he always used to talk about listening to your body and it's it's really funny you know kind of if you look at, uh, maybe this will bring things into kind of perspective a little bit regarding social media. If you now look at much of what he spoke about 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, ideas, concepts, mm-hmm. they've now been repackaged as biohacking. <laughs> Why? Because it's really cool. It's sexy. And you can sell a lot more products with biohacking because you yeah, can yeah. kind of, you know, you can give people quick fixes and pills and little, little hacks that they can do. But ultimately, yeah. And I think a lot of people could would benefit from listening to their body so getting a little bit out of their head getting more in tune with what their body is telling them because your body is absolutely incredible it's like you know somewhere between 37.2 and 50 trillion cells in an average human body which is if you think about that that's insane and they're all working in harmony pretty much and doing little jobs but as a collective as a a cybernetic system a kind of system of systems and it's um it's a miracle you know i kind of not a particularly religious person, but that is, is the kind of definition of a miracle to me that that's possible. And I think that, you know, our body has massive innate wisdom uh, and it, it knows what it needs most of the time. And mm. it knows it's telling us, it's giving us signals, little cues, you know, pain, discomfort, how your energy feels, your kind of breath rate, your pulse rate, you know, all of these different things to more complex things. It's giving you lots and lots of cues and telling you kind of what it needs. And, we never really take any notice of that anymore. Mm. Very few people are not in tune with that and they find it very difficult to actually get into their body and to kind of, people struggle. They struggle to not be distracted all of the time because often, you know, we're, we're going to stray back into the head realm. But like when you get back into your body and you, you get in tune with your body, often it means unplugging and being a little bit more quiet, maybe going mm. out into nature, being more still or moving. And unfortunately, you know, because your head is attached to your body and your mind and body are kind of uh, completely linked, um, people don't like what they find in their head when they spend time unplugged, not distracted, not scrolling social media, not listening to a podcast, not doing whatever. 
Um, and that's 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 a challenge. So I think, you know, with simplicity in mind, there is these things called f- foundational health principles, and they're the most simple things like breathing, moving, eating, hydration, thinking, sleeping, etc. And if you can take care of those, if you can go back to absolute basics and start to mm-hmm. kind of optimize yourself in the absolute base of the pyramid, the foundational health mm-hmm. principles then you will feel better. And the cool thing about it is, is that you'll be able to kind of, you know, listen to your body more effectively, be able to understand what your body's telling you and your needs. And the more, the healthier you become and the more kind of, you know, you op- more you optimize your health, both mental and physical, that generally the more energized you feel. Generally, you feel happier, less depressed, more positive. Uh, and then literally when you've got that foundation, the world is your oyster. And then you can go and binge yourself on like conceptual knowledge. <laughs> but, you know, you're not going to, you, you're able to kind of step in and step out. And, and it reminds me of another quote. I kind of, I'm the sort of person who has this like weird mental like constellation of these random quotes but they all connect <laughs> these dots dots in my head and there's another one i can't i, I can't remember it's like I, I think the tribe i think they're, they're called the blackfoot indians and i think they're one of the first nations tribes in like canada maybe i can't you know apologize for not knowing exactly you know the right attribution but it, there was this really cool quote that came across which is you have to live with the strength of two men or two people or two women who do two whatever two two people um and they were talking about the fact that they had this cultural ancestral wisdom and knowledge and, you know, connection to the earth, mm. but they also had to navigate a modern society and kind of, you know, um, butting up against, you know, the civilized world and kind of, you know, all of those sorts of things. And I think, I think it's really, I love that quote because it reminds me that actually we're both, we have to keep one foot in the ancestral world of health and lifestyle because, you know, it takes something like, I don't know, 100,000 years for the human genome to change 0.01% or something crazy like that. So we are basically, and we are, we are, we are, are, you know, we're we're kind of cavemen, cave people, but with fancy watches and cars and things like that. But we also have to understand that we need to be, we, we, we have the reality of a digital information based technologically kind of you know accelerating society so we need to we need both we need to marry up both and i guess one i'm holding up my left hand here to represent the foot that's in the ancestral world that's listening to your body that's the biological oscillators circadian rhythm you know times when you eat times when you sleep um rhythms of nature cold hot movement you know etc etc and then my right hand which i'm holding up is the is the other foot which you've got to you know like it's the fact that we live in houses and you know we have jobs and we drive cars and we kind of you know binge on digital kind of content Hmm. I, i love everything you just said i think the um the way i look at it is very similar so there's there's things that are necessary about us as human beings and that's all the stuff we said you know there's nothing uh there's nothing new under the sun you know, we're going to wake up, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Some things about human nature will never change because of the way our biology is ultimately. So it's just necessary. And then there's the other realm, which is this realm of the world that we have created, which is mainly symbolic. And it's symbolic because it's the product of our conceptual knowledge. And that's where all this complexity comes in, because in a way, conceptual knowledge is a lot easier to kind of deal with than the experiential stuff, especially if we've become detached from ourselves because our identity is more of the world than of reality. The thing that I was thinking when you were just sharing that with us is there's been a lot of studies and everything now that have shown 
that, you know, physical exercise, diet, those kind of things, those very basic, simple things can actually do a lot more for your mental health than, you know, popping some, uh, you know, pills or whatever it is, obviously not in all cases, but in a lot of cases. So why do you think as a culture, just to throw this out there, we have become so negligent of the physical stuff. A lot of the time people, you know, they'll they'll go for the the pills or they'll go for the short-term solution or whatever it is, rather than, you know, just get up, get up off the couch and, you know, go for a run or do some push-ups or whatever it is. And to actually energize themselves in a way that's more sustainable because it's more real, but that actually will have probably better benefits than some of these conceptual bullshit things that people are kind of putting out there as solutions. I just, I'm scribbling down three things because I wanted to cover three things in my answer because like you triggered a lot of kind of chain of thoughts there. But um, yeah, I I think that's that's really interesting. It's a really interesting question. I mean, I think... Three things came to mind. The first one is it's this, exactly the same reason why you know um, we're hardwired to want sugar and fat. It's like if, if you're in nature and you come across like um, you know a bee's nest and a kind of like honeycomb, basically a bee beehive, mm-hmm. you're going to go and eat all of it and make yourself mm-hmm. kind of sick um, because we're kind of hardwired to want those things, those pleasurable things, you know, the kind of the dopamine hit inducing things because it's mm-hmm. that reward mechanism. So it's really hard to kind of um, you know uh, train that out of yourself. So that's that's kind of one thing that connects to the fact that. Um, you're exactly right. You know, the, there is so much research out there um, about the positive benefits of literally exercising, yeah, and eating food, <laughs> certain mm. types of food, and breathing oxygen, which most of us have access to, and sleeping. And you know, like these are these are the most powerful things you can invest your time in. Which is why mm. I mentioned biohacking earlier, which links to the this point. This point is it's, it's hard to sell these things. I, I can look outside my window now, and I could go outside and I could do push-ups, I could do burpees, I could do um, a very broad range of body weight movements that I can train my whole body, and I could do it out on the grass. And the sun is actually shining at the moment because the weather's amazing, and there's fresh air. There are a few trees around. You know that is free. And yes, I have to know what to do. But it's hard to sell that. It's hard to package mm. that into something sexy that is scalable and sell and make money from it. So I think the first point, the fact that we're hardwired to want the good stuff like sugar and fat, um, it's hard to sell the foundational health principles like breathe. I mean, unless you're Wim Hof, he's done a very good job of it. Um, but it's, it's kind of hard to sell these things. Um, and the third, the third thing is something that, again, Paul Check, I'm going to mention, talks about the pain teacher. And this is fascinating. And I think this works on the micro level and it also works on the macro level. And what do I mean by that? I mean, it works on the level of the individual and it's very, very obvious and prevalent. And it works on the level of like planetary or like our whole species at the moment in the fact that we are really shit at doing the things we should do until it's almost too late. Mm. (laughs) And so basically... To use back pain as an example, you know, as a Czech practitioner, we kind of you, you specialize in spinal pathologies, disc injuries, that that kind of juicy, advanced stuff that people can't help you with, um, but we can. And you can tell people, you know, you, you can go and you give someone a postural assessment and you assess their posture and you do some tests on their deep core function and things like that. And you say, look, you're going to have a, you're going to blow a disc, you're going to injure your spine if you're not careful. So you need to do like 10 minutes, three times a week of stretching mobilization and some corrective deep core exercises you know to realign your posture and you'll be fine 
but people don't want to know that they don't want to it's boring it's, <laughs> yeah. it's boring it's not fun it's not crossfit it's not like you know swinging kettlebells around uh, it's not a, the latest biohacks it, it, it's boring but people people go away and they won't listen but then they blow that disc yeah. and they're lying on the floor for like three weeks in agony they will come back and they'll do exactly what you tell them it doesn't matter how boring it is yeah and and unfortunately it's this it's the place we've got to and this this you know i've got four kids and this it's really kind of like you know it really gets me this is this is why i'm in a transitional stage in my life this this next thing um because i've come to the point where i i need to change my life and i need to do things differently and think differently and expand my mindset and mm. give my the rest of the kind of time i've got here uh, on the planet you know to to try to make a difference to try to change something and you know that's the fact that like as a society we're exactly the same as the person with back pain we don't really care we're not going to do anything until we blow the disc and mm. I, I, my worry is that we're going to do that to the planet we're going to you know i think governments and large businesses are fully committed to sinking the ship so like basically extracting every drop of kind of oil and gas and making as much profit from it as possible and then going oh you know and then worrying about it afterwards but i don't think at the moment i don't see that trajectory changing and i think that we all a lot of us think oh gosh you know um i must do this and i mustn't do that and maybe i should get an electric car and you know maybe i should go vegan and etc etc some of us do but not many of us do and it's it's like we're really, we were aware of this stuff. Someone's told us, but we don't want to do those core exercises until we blow the disc, and then we do what you tell us. And I, yeah, I don't know if that makes any sense, <laughs> but it, it, I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I think um, it's something to do with what we've already said about this kind of romanticization of complexity. So we can say something simple to somebody like. You know, they think they have a problem. You give a simple diagnosis, which is that is you, you know your disc is weak, or you know you, you weigh too much, or whatever it is, and that ultimately should be the end of the line. So you you figured out what the problem is, the fundamental problem, not just the symptom, and then you start doing something about it. But the problem is, if you just accept this simplicity, then you you have to kind of disregard whatever bullshit complex story you're telling yourself about, you know, mm. why you're such a special individual and why life is so complicated and all these different things. And that actually just seems to be something that's hardwired into us these days, or maybe it's, it's conditioned into us, this love of complexity, and it's just causing all of these problems. And I think you're right. When it comes to the crunch, which may be too late when it comes to the you know, the destruction of the planet and all that kind of stuff. When it comes to the crunch, probably we'll wake up and we'll go, oh, okay, this is actually the problem that I've been trying to run away from. I suppose I should do something about it. Um, but whether uh, yeah. we'll, we'll do it on time or not remains to be seen, I guess. I, I think it's fascinating. I think what, another reason I kind of stepped back from coaching is because I, I realized I wanted to stop giving coaching answers. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. difficult to explain what I mean, but it's, I wanted to I wanted to stop giving regurgitated coaching answers that I'd kind of learned from other coaches who'd learned them from other coaches in the in the kind of um, you know kind of um, what's the word I'm looking for the kind of like the the history of our our our, our, our profession or something like that. But but basically, I wanted to sort of. I wanted to stop saying, okay, I know exactly what you need to do and I've got the answer and here's the solution to actually basically saying, look, I think the, I think the set of problems we're facing have, have changed 
and I actually don't have the answer. I don't know the answer, but I want to try and find some answers. And now I'm in this, like, I'm on the hero's journey. We talked about it earlier. I absolutely love it. So one of the most powerful frameworks there is for understanding your life mm. and putting your life into perspective and looking, knowing at what stage you're, you're in in your life and helping make sense of this amazing journey and quest. And, you know, what I said earlier puts a negative spin on things like sinking the ship and, you know, kind of the pain teacher and that we, you're going to wait till the kind of proverbial, proverbial disc blows before we do anything. I think that's, I think that that's one, that's one answer, but it's not necessarily the true answer. There's no truth. There's no right. There's no wrong. It's all just like a, there is no one knows really the answer. I think the thing is, is that, you know, we can do something and we can kind of change. And like to just to give a personal example, a personal story, you know, so I know that I'm, I'm on the hero's journey now. And I know that now I understand this framework. I really, I love the road of trials, you know, mm-hmm. like um, mm-hmm. before I was like, you know, 10 years ago, I was like, as I said, sitting in my office in the attic, you know, there's a lovely Velux window up there in the roof and the sun was shining through it, but I'm crying. I'm crying my eyes out, literally like mid thirties, very scared, because mm. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do in my life. Mm. I'm like, literally, I didn't see a way forwards. And I'm, I'm not saying I was suicidal, thank thank goodness, you know. But I was in a real pit and I was really in a dark place. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how I was going to change things and pay the bills and look after my family. And I didn't, I couldn't see any kind of um, way forwards. And now I now I understand the, the, the hero's journey kind of framework. I realized that, you know, I was kind of... Um, you know, in the belly of the whale. And I think that was my kind of, you know, crucial moment. But, you know, we have this road of trials, which is to test us. It's really, you know, it's like the universe or whatever you believe in, kind of just testing you and just saying, really, really? Are you sure? Really? Really? Are you sure? It's like, you know, like when someone pokes you and pokes you and pokes you and they're really, really yeah, annoying yeah. and they're like, you sure? Mm-hmm. You sure? Really, really, really. I, I feel that the universe does that to us or whatever. There, there's some force out there. That that, that that kind of guides us a little bit and it's doing that to us on the road of trials and occasionally when you don't listen just like the disc just, just like the um yeah, the disc yeah, yeah. injury you know you don't listen you don't listen occasionally it gives you a kick in the teeth and it like actually knocks you over and you're like oh okay shit i need to re- reassess my life so that's why it's such a powerful framework and i realized that I've, I've been there on the road of trials and it was invaluable and it was there for a huge reason and i, I like I also understand how much more I've got to go on my journey. Yes, I've built some businesses and I'm 46 and I love my family and stuff like that. But I, I feel like so, I feel like such a beginner. I feel so naive in things. And now I'm looking for a new kind of way forwards. But the, the, just to p- put a personal spin on kind of everything I've said, going back to that kind of planetary thing and, you know, kind of climate change and all of that stuff, you know, I... Um, I run a I run a business and I've got two business partners and I love them and we've got some wonderful clients and big businesses and you know they're, they're great people to work with and stuff but um, a lot of them are based in Italy and so you know quite regularly like last week I was on a plane I flew to Italy and I flew back um, and then n- next weekend I've got to go back again for an event we're doing and then in December I've got to go back for an event we're doing and I haven't travelled much this year because I've consciously been trying to stop it but. I know I'm hypocritical. I know I'm really like in this weird space of like, actually I have these set of values mm. that I really believe in and are really important to me. And I think that we need to take seriously now because, because we're going to blow the planetary disc and it's going to, you know, my kids are going to suffer and their kids are going to suffer. Um, but I still, I'm still going on these business trips and stuff like that. So I am trying to find a solution at the moment. I'm trying to find answers and I'm trying to find a better way forwards at the moment because 
most people are dealing with that kind of reality. But I feel it's no longer acceptable to say, oh, I've just got to do it because you know, that's that's what you have to do in life. And I've got to earn a living and I've got to, you know, blah, 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 business as usual. You know, I, I think that's no longer acceptable. But we mm. don't have the right answers yet. We don't have the right systems. We don't have the right myths. We have what um, Jonah Sachs, who has written this awesome book called The Story Wars. He, we, we have a myth gap. You know, we, we've, we've got these old archaic systems, infrastructures, and also myths, you know, like kind of Christianity. I'm going to offend a lot of people here. I'm so sorry. But, you know, like kind of religions and uh, lots of these philosophical approaches as well, which are slightly out of date. And we don't have new myths um, that can kind of, you know, show us the way forward. We don't have these new stories and, you know, go, go backtracking a little bit there, you know, of course, you can reinterpret, you know, kind of major texts of major religions and put a modern spin on them. And that's wonderful. And that does give people, you know, kind of hope in a way forward. But I think as a society, in a sort of secular way, we have these gaps, we have this myth gap, and we don't have new, we don't have the answers yet. We don't have the new ways of thinking and ways to move forwards. And I really want to try and find some of those. Um, and I'm, I think if I could do it personally and start to kind of stitch things together, then I, hopefully I can help some other people kind of get there as well. Mm. I think part of the solution is going back to what we've said, which is that, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. So what's real about human beings is always going to be real. The human journey, this journey that we all go on over the course of our lives towards more wholeness in ourselves, more connection to ourselves, more connection to other people, more connection to life itself, and the road of trials and all the other stages that we have to go on to get there, that applies to all of us. When you were talking about the road of trials, like it, it's just so many people I've spoken to and like myself as well, not that I talk to myself too much, but think stories I've heard in life, that road of trials it's always just the case that you go in, you start the journey with one set of ideas, conceptual knowledge again about who you are, what the world is, what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. And normally, because when we set out on that journey, we're a product of all the conditioning and stuff that we picked up in childhood, the ideas that we're taking on the path with us are just unreal ideas. And so all that happens is we take these ideas out there and then reality just keeps coming sweeping over us in waves and it just rids some of those unreal ideas and as it does we let go of the bullshit stuff we hold on to the real stuff and we get more and more whole and we get a better and better understanding of what reality is so we can get better results as we keep moving forward and i think in my view the solution to this kind of problem that we're talking about of the world in general and people being stuck in their heads and we're in this cultural vacuum it's just about taking that stuff, the human relationship that we all have with reality, which we can feel in our bodies in the way that you said, and then taking some of the thoughts and interpretations that we use to make sense of life and just making sure that they're more aligned with the way that reality actually works rather than how we want it to be. So in my view, like all, all the social media stuff that we see, is causing a lot of problems because it's just about how people want to believe things to be. It is aspirational in a sense, in terms of like how it's about people telling themselves stories about how they want to be and the direction they want to move in. But a lot of the time, the story is written in ink that's unreal because it's about running away from who they really are because of shame, guilt, trauma, blah, 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 all the stuff I keep talking about. 
And so somewhere there's a solution that involves taking the body stuff or, or the heart or whatever you want to call it and just aligning the head and the heart as much as you possibly can, which means you're facing the truth, you're not running from it, and that the story you're telling yourself isn't one that's just complete. It's one that you continuously keep writing as you keep learning because you've got this naive uh, mindset that we talked about. So you're not blocking any new information coming in. Something like that. What that looks like is going to be different in the context of everyone's lives. But I think ultimately, it's, it's like you said earlier, that the body is a system within a system within a system. Well, it's also a system within a system within a system within the system of life itself. And so as long as you're aligned with that system and you're open to it with your thoughts and your relationship with your own body, then probably you'll be able to build something that's more aligned um, with the nature of things in general. So it's going to be more sustainable and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. That, yeah that, I, was, I, I, that, that was my ramble. Um, also, I've just noticed I've gone a little bit over the time. So sorry if that's um, bad for you. But anyway, sorry, what, what were you going to say? No, it's, it's, good, it's good for me. Uh, it's good for me. I mean, I was, I was just going to say, yeah, I, I think, you know, you can keep rewriting that story you just said, and that's very, that's very key to remember. You can, you know, you, 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 you can rewrite it, you can rewrite it over again. And, and also understanding that that hero's journey, you know, we, like a lot of people, again, have um, bastardized the hero's journey and you used it for marketing now. And it's like, oh, great. What was your hero's journey that got you to being the guru that you are now? It's like the hero's journey doesn't end. You know, exactly. like, and, and also the road of trials doesn't really end as well because yeah. you just get a new one. You get a new one and you're like, oh, yeah, I made it. And then you're like, oh, shit, <laughs> back to square one. <laughs> so I think, yeah, I, I think, you know, I agree with, you know, the way you expressed everything there. Really, really nice. I think that key as well, simplicity, listen to your body. Ultimately, I'm a real firm believer in this is that, like, actually, you know what you need to do. If you can, if yeah. you, this is hard for people. If you can get quiet and if you can actually just, you know, give yourself permission to kind mm -hmm. of, um, you know, go and kind of unplug yourself. You know, if you if you can unplug from digital devices and go out into nature, it's profound mm. yeah, and it's powerful, and it will um, kind of m unlock creativity and answers for you. And whether you agree, whether you whether you agree with the kind of holistic hippie stuff or not, forget that. You know, li li literally, it, it will it will make a difference if you can invest in yourself enough to go out and get quiet and just spend some time unplugged in nature alone. You get mm. a lot of answers, and and ultimately, I believe that we all know what we need to do. In yeah. most situations, it doesn't mean you have all the answers, it doesn't mean you have all the information, but you know where you need to head and you know what the next moves are for you and the right moves. And I think that's really, really important. And basically, you know, you were talking about individuals and, um, I think that, you know, that's, that's the key. And before we started recording, I mentioned that there was a friend of mine yesterday filled in a massive missing piece of the puzzle for me. Um, and I just wanted to mention that really quickly is, is that, you know, the individual, everybody, you, me, anyone listening, we're, we're the key to changing things. And it's really, really, uh, it's kind of the pennies dropped for me and I haven't formulated these thoughts. So I'm going to, to kind of say it in a kind of not very good way. But the, the point is, is that, you know, I talk about, uh, I really like Buckminster Fuller, you know, Richard Buckminster Fuller, and he was a great thinker. And um, he's got this wonderful quote, which I always say, but I can't remember. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say it now. But basically, um, it's like you don't, you never change anything by fighting the existing reality, you know, yeah, to yeah, change yeah, something, yeah. you create new systems that make the old ones obsolete. It's that kind of idea. So I've talked a lot about the obsolete systems and the myth gap and, you know, the, the, we've got these sort of structures and things that are breaking at the seams, but we don't have new ones. You know, I had a conversation with someone yesterday who I haven't spoken to for several years. Um, and 
do you know what? He's he's a, he's a really important person in my life in the sense when I started my first business, um, who really helped me. And um, I spoke to him and was like, wanted to have a catch up. And he was in hospital, and he's 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 quite ill. Um, and we had a really long hours conversation. And he was just talking about these amazing ideas. You know, he's had a lot of time to think and he's, he's been reading a lot. He's been thinking a lot about deep things and um, connecting dots. And he, he, just, he just talked about how, you know, people are shifting things already because people are adopting things, whether it be electric vehicles and the uptake in sales of electric vehicles, which are amazing, or whether it be, you know, kind of like new ideas, new models of behaving. It, it is happening and, and people are adopting these things. And it's, it's actually... <laughs> we're not the vacuum isn't that we're waiting for a new structure or kind of government or something to fill in the answer it's actually individuals running with it and making it happen um mm. creating the transition so mm. i've expressed that really badly but i hope the kind of idea behind it makes sense yeah it makes perfect sense but basically the system is us we are the yeah. system it's, exactly. it's, an ex- it's an extension of the way that we think and the way that we perceive so our in- if our interpretations of life because of our relationship with ourselves is aligned with wholeness because we're as connected to ourselves as we possibly can be in the moment, then by extension, the way that we think about the world is going to be a reflection of that. And the choices that we make in the world will also be a reflection of that. And the values that we live by will be embodied in the world. And so ultimately, the reason that the world's kind of screwed up is because people are not living according to their own values a lot of the time. They've not been authentic. They've not been as human as they need to be. And so the world we've created is, is currently not human shaped. It's it's kind of distorted and skewed because it's corporation are, shaped. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's it's about the results instead of the relationships and the results. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, so, and I think va- va- values are key. You know, values are so interesting, and you know, kind of. I reminded myself of the definition of values earlier. You know, which is their principles or standards of behaviors uh, of behavior, uh, one's judgment of what's important in life. And I think I'm endlessly fascinated by the fact that businesses, because I deal with you know, fairly big businesses, um, that they spend tons on like core values, corporate values, mission, vision, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. But individuals, unless you work with a life coach like yourself most individuals never work on values, define values, understand what their core values are. And yep. I think it's really, really interesting because, you know, um, unless you have values, then you don't know how to make decisions about life. You don't know where to head in life. And unless you have a personal definition of success and what success actually means to you, then it's really hard to know what you're tra- what kind of life you're trying to build and what you should be doing. And um, so you end up kind of, you know, invariably taking on someone else's definition of success via social media and then trying to buy a Lamborghini or I don't know, like do whatever <laughs> that other people are doing that you, you feel is ticking that box of success. So I think, yeah, values, you know, and there are so many different types of value, but ultimately, yeah, you know, what, like what, what's important to you, what matters to you and what's bigger than you as well, that kind of, you know, the higher cool sort of values. Mm-hmm. I think spending time thinking about those is really, is a, is a very useful kind of way to kind of um, make, make measurable improvement in your life. I think so. And measurable improvements in the world because the values you put in are the values you get out as long as you translate yeah. the values into behaviors. I think um, it's really interesting as well that a lot of the things we've said about how reality works. So for example, a simple example, the law of cause and effect, things like that, that apply to us all, they, they have those principles come with certain values that allow you to tune into them. So for example, 
if you value just being active, for example, then you're going to be able to you know, go out there and use this law of cause and effect to get where you need to be. If you value curiosity as a human being, well, you're going to constantly be open, uh, constantly be asking questions. You're going to be open-minded. You're not going to get stuck in that um, the trap of conceptual knowledge where you're just locked behind your interpretations and you think that they're static and they're never going to change. So something I've been meaning to do for years and never actually just sat down is to think what human values are shared by all of us in alignment with this real kind of attitude that um, I like to talk about. I don't know if you've got any thoughts about that. Or... I mean, I, I know a few that I'd like to be universal human values. Um, the, one thing I kind of, this just made me think of like the, a, another kind of, you know, like the law of um, <clears throat> unequal distribution. <laughs> and the fact that like kind of, it, it's hard, isn't it? Because that's a little bit wired into us as well. In the fact that, you know, kind of, um, things are not always going to be equal you know there's there are there's often going to be a winner because it's like kind of basically it's how primates work and um you know it's 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 a little bit kind of built into the system if that makes sense that you know there's usually someone who's going to get more resources than someone else and you know kind of more mating opportunities Mm -hmm. and all of these different things and so i'm always a bit kind of cautious to talk about universal stuff in the light of that kind of reality, you know, the fact that, that that's, we are struggling with that still. I think, you know, <laughs> we've got part of our brain that wants us to, kind of, you know, um, live on a different level and transcend these things. Um, but we've got the other, the other part, maybe a bigger part, which is a bit more like, yeah, no, I just, I want to, I want more stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, I think, I think, I think, you know, I think um, justice would have to be a, a universal kind of human value that I think we all need to agree on or would hope we'd all agree on, you know, kind of like making things just uh, and, you know, kind of defending people who, and cultures and societies and animals, whatever it may be, uh, ecosystems that can't defend themselves. Um, I think that's something that we don't really have and we need a little bit more of. Um, Creativity, Mm. uh, obviously, uh, you know, being able to kind of apply creativity, but not everyone's, not everyone I think everyone is creative, but I don't think everyone thinks they're creative and knows how to how to access that kind of creativity because we 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 you know we we have a certain type of schooling system and a certain type of working system that kind of basically mm-hmm. trains it out of you a little bit. Um, yeah. But I, you know, kind of, I, I almost I, it makes me think of Bushido in some ways, or like kind of you know, like the cra- the classical kind of um, you know the the Greek values that you, I can't say it, the eudaimonia or whatever you know the kind of the yeah, virtue yeah, yeah. like virtuous life kind of side of things. Um, you know, it, I feel that we do need we need a bit of a code. You know, we need a bit of a sort of agreement where we have some values that we try and uphold. And I guess I guess this this is happening. You know, if you look at the UN SDGs, like the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. On a societal level, they've established 17 kind of goals, values, criteria that, that you know, want everyone to sort of sign up to, basically. And that's mm. just like kind of equality, fairness, you know, giving people a chance. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that I don't know, <laughs> but I, I could come up with a list and I think you could come up with a list and hopefully there'd be overlap on some of the really, really important ones. Yeah, like I, I read a really interesting quote yesterday and it just said, I can't remember verbatim what it said, but it was basically saying freedom and equality are sworn enemies. And it just made me think like quite deeply because for me, obviously I want everyone to be equal, but I also want to be free. And it's, 
I don't know which one of those is, is more human. I know that's just opening a whole can of worms, probably putting it out there. I think we need freedom to be able to do a lot of the things that we're talking about, i.e. moving forward, growing, moving towards our aspirations and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, we don't want our freedom to be so unrestrained that we end up screwing over other people, basically. So I suppose yeah, it's, I, about, it's about that interdependence. It's a theme that always comes up in these conversations. We're not yeah. just independent uh, entities. When we're living in our heads, in the way that we've been talking about, in this conceptual way, we think we're independent. But actually, in truth, in reality, we're interdependent. And so what I do affects you and everybody else. It's, you know, the whole butterfly effect thing. Everything is connected in, in reality. And so these universal values will have to um, embrace that to some extent, which a lot of people probably won't like initially. But we, we need freedom, uh, but we also need to not be so free that we harm ourselves or others. So something like that. I know that's kind of irrelevant yeah. to, to what we're talking yeah, about. No, no, it's very, it's very relevant. You know, I was, was going to say the first thing that came to mind is it depends how you define freedom, you know, and, and there are some people who define it at the extreme end of like, I'll, I'll do what the hell mm-hmm. I like when, when I yeah. like. And, yeah. and 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 it's up to me and I'll you know and I think that's probably not an option because if we all did that then we're going to have some severe problems <laughs> and um, I don't think it's something that we should aspire to either but it doesn't mean that we we're not free but you know I think you know there's sort of freedom of expression you know freedom to live your life within within like the donut you know like um you know Kate Rayworth you know kind of donut economics um I don't know if you've read the book I haven't read all of it I have to admit but I, no, I I've, no. I've, I've read summaries <laughs> and I've got the book and I've read bits um but it's like it's like it's like having you know everyone can be free and have a nice lifestyle and stuff like that within basically planetary boundaries so yeah, so I, yeah. I, I think I think and, and I think this applies to business and it applies to individuals as well I mean a lot of people are going to absolutely hate this but you know and I've got nothing against wealth and making money. I think it's really important and I think it's great. And, you know, I've run a business, but I think just because you could buy a helicopter or a private jet or, you know, like, you know, really, really kind of um, a lot of things that potentially damage the planet, I don't think you should. Mm. Um, and also like a lot of businesses, a lot of big successful businesses are built on an extractive model as in they dig stuff up or like kind of process stuff or use raw materials from the earth and make things. And, you know, at the moment we're stripping the, the kind of boundaries mm-hmm. of what the planet can supply. And mm-hmm. so I think, you know, I think we could, we, we should have that freedom, but within those kind of, within those boundaries to some extent. Yeah. I think that comes back to values again, because <laughs> yeah. the, the, the way I look at freedom is, it's like you said, there's, you can't just do whatever you want. People think that is freedom, but ultimately the short-term freedom and there's long-term freedom. And actually, long-term freedom is the one that you actually want if you want to live the good life, because it means you have to learn to control yourself. You, you, you know, you have to look after your body, for example. You can't just eat every donut that you see or every, I don't know, pot pie, whatever it is. You need some restraint in order to be free and to move towards your vision and your real values in the long term. And so if there are universal values, which I think there are, it would it involves that and ultimately again it comes back to this law of cause and effect um if you if you are so free that you make bad choices right now well the effect of that cause those bad choices is that you're just going to screw your life up and you're going to end up being miserable and so freedom actually 
is just, again, about embracing reality, but not in this kind of independent way that people seem to think it often does involve. It's more about just acknowledging, okay, where am I now? Where am I trying to get? Who do I want to become? And what choices do I need to make in alignment with what values in order to get there? Yes. It reminds you of Jocko Willink, discipline equals freedom. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's quite... I, I, I think, I, I think that's true. And I think it's a, it's a very interesting, like huge conversation, but yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, obviously freedom, freedom at, at any cost is not really freedom because, you know, you probably go crazy trying to enjoy all of that <laughs> unfettered freedom. Whereas actually if you, if you have, uh, you know, some parameters on it, then it kind of, um, it's probably a lot better for you. <laughs> mm. So I'm trying to restrain myself now. Otherwise I'm just going to keep talking. It seems, is there anything that we've kind of learned in this podcast or are there any kind of kind of uh, final words that you might want to put out there to sum up this whole kind of conversation? Like what's the main thing that's come out of this for you, would you say? I think the, the main thing that's come out of it, you know, is kind of um, that two things. I'm going to say two, two things. One is that, you know, um, I'm still formulating my ideas. And so I kind of, I can speak in on certain areas as if I have authority because I've got experience in them, but I'm still kind of, um, I'm sort of challenging all of my own assumptions at the moment. And so, um, you know, when I have conversations like this, I really, really learn, you know, like I learn a ton from other people's sort of perspectives. Um, so, you know, the first thing is that I'm, I'm really grateful and appreciative of, you know, your, your perspective, the way you've been talking about reality, uh, the way you've been talking about values and all of the kind of, you know, the gaps you've filled in and what I've said and the ways you've expressed things better than me. So I'm going to looking forward to listening to it back. Um, the second thing is, I think that it's just reminded me of the fact that um, how much potential there is, you know, how like how positive things can be. And mm. the starting point, I think, you know, uh, however you want to kind of, whatever you want to call it, however you want to approach it, blah, blah, blah. The, the, the starting point is that if you can kind of simplify things, if you can start to uncover some of your own values and your own kind of like purpose, if you like, and your own definition of for success, for success. And then if you can actually get back in tune with those foundational health principles and listening to your body and, um, you know, kind of, tapping into perhaps some of that ancestral wisdom that we've got built into us, then mm. it, it can be incredibly powerful. It can really help you change yourself. And then if you change individuals, you can change families. And if you change families, you can change communities and et cetera. You, I, think, I think the fact that if you can use some of the tools and some of the mindsets and approaches that we've discussed and that other people also sort of talk about, then, you know, we can have this little ripple effect. And I think that, that I find that really exciting. Wow. Um, I'm really happy that you, um, you know, you, you feel like you've, you've learned something here as well. It's just sharing ideas. That's what I wanted to do with this podcast is just have it be a, an exploration. I think I explained that to you before. So it's not just a Q and a yeah. kind of thing. It's like we're, we're digging into things together. I've really, um, enjoyed hearing the insights you've shared as well, especially some of the stuff about, you know, the body, um, and just how you can take it to such a simple level. And if you can kind of act on that probably, you know, it is going to have the kind of ripple effect you, you just mentioned. Um, you know, your body will ripple to the mind and so on and so forth out into the world. Um, I feel like we could probably just talk all day, but I think I, I, I will wrap it up now. Um, one thing I want to do in this podcast is get people on again, as, you know, further down the line, um, just to see where people are and see if it's worth, you know, 
following up on whatever insights have popped up and stuff. So if that's cool with you, um, obviously I'm recording, so no pressure. But if uh, you want to come on again in the future, I'll definitely get you on again. I'd love that. Yeah, that would be my absolute pleasure. You know, I, I think, um, yeah, I, I, I think I like the way you sum things up there. And just don't, don't underestimate, you know, for anyone listening, don't underestimate that simplicity. You know, that the, these things like that we mentioned, like going outside, drinking water, breathing, you know, kind of like moving your body, stuff like that, sleeping, being in tune with the circadian rhythms and stuff like that. They're so, so, so powerful. So um, don't underestimate the simplicity. Um, but yeah, no, I'd love to come back on and I'd love to dig into some other things. And I think my, my absolute favorite thing to do is like, you know, kind of discuss things and basically go off on tangents with a with a loose framework so um i, I think you're, that you're in the right place then by the time <laughs> yeah exactly i kind of knew i, I kind of knew i would be from our, our initial discussion and i'm like yeah this this is awesome because you know That's awesome. I, I, I felt that you weren't looking for a particular kind of performance and no no um, no, 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 no so that's really really it's been it's been an absolute pleasure so yeah no that, that'd be that's wonderful amazing. uh well, one final thing ollie where can uh, people find you so obviously your social media is, is it's not Nowhere. really up and running. <laughs> you can find me in the middle of the woods in the south of England. I, I live in the middle of the woods. Just walk um, around uh, shouting Ollie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, seriously, I mean, I, um, I, I'm on LinkedIn, actually. I'm still on LinkedIn because of um, the agency I run. So um, it's kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm one of the co-founders of a, an agency called Rare Partners. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm on LinkedIn somewhere. I think it's probably like LinkedIn.com. <laughs> forward slash ollie herman taylor um okay. apart from that i'm not on facebook i'm not on snapchat i'm not on instagram i'm so i, I feel so i feel so proud of myself and it's really silly <laughs> I, feel, I feel i feel like it's so liberating to say i'm not you can't find me on instagram i'm, I'm, then, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm getting a bit jealous i have to admit yeah do it man <laughs> it, it, honestly i mean i think i think everyone listening to this should go I, I i give you a challenge like if you've been thinking about this for a while Go and delete your social media accounts. Mm. You're not going to miss out on anything, and you will be healthier mentally, and you will be happier because you know, literally, it changes the way you know. Uh, there's research into this, but you know, we're not designed to be exposed to so much information, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it, it will make you happier. You know, you won't miss anything. And I, I or, or if you don't want to delete it, just like have a have a digital detox for seven days. Or if you can't do seven days, do 48 hours, like Friday evening to, you know, kind of Sunday evening. But have a digital detox because you will feel amazing. And if you if you unplug and then you reconnect, I had this brand called Lean Green Human Being, which is the one I set up after my um, my clothing company. And I still love it. I'm going re- to revamp it, I think, because like it's like it was just basically all ancestral outdoor fitness, running around in the woods, throwing rocks and stuff. And it was really cool. But wow. I had this big thing, which was basically unplug and reconnect. And so it's like unplug from digital distractions mm-hmm. and reconnect to nature. And there's an awesome book on this, like, um, you know, um, called Deep Work by Cal Newport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read it actually. Yeah. It's very good. I'm sure you've read it. It's such a good book. But we, our, our, infor- uh, our, our attention is absolutely shallow and it's so fractured nowadays. And when it's fractured and shallow and you're hopping around all over the place, you don't know who you are. You don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And also it's very difficult to do meaningful work. And so basically mm-hmm. if you can kill the distractions and go and plug back into nature and just be be a little bit more still with yourself, you can get some profound, you can get some really cool stuff done. You might, you, you, you never know what you can come up with. So do that. Boom. Well, Ollie, thank you so much once again. Um, that, that was amazing, honestly. So I really appreciate your time today. And uh, I'll talk to you again next time you're on. Yes, thank you very much, Ollie. It's been it's been really a real pleasure. Take care. Thanks, mate. See you.